Hey everybody, Raul here for Bass Musician Magazine, and today we have the extraordinary honor and pleasure of catching up with co-founder and bassist for Tesla, songwriter, vocalist, Brian Wheat. Yay! Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> doing great. We've got so much cool stuff to talk about, but as always, we like to go to the past. How did you get started in music, and particularly on bass? Well, the first record I ever can remember listening to that wasn't like one of those little kids records you have on and you put on your little kid record player was Revolver by the Beatles. And when I heard Paul McCartney's voice on Eleanor Rigby, it just spoke to me. So from that point on, I was enthralled with Paul McCartney. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I wanted to be a bass player like Paul McCartney. <laughs> nice. And that I was six or seven then. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I got started on the bass guitar, or wanting to be a bass guitar. First, I had a guitar. My mom bought me a guitar when I was 12, when I broke my leg. But it was too difficult to learn, I thought, at the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a, a bass player like Paul McCartney, so I took the other two strings off. <laughs> and, and that's how I, I started to to actually try to learn how to play the bass. I'm still trying to learn today. It's an ongoing process. Are you self-taught? Yes. Nice, nice. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And Tesla, which goes back decades and decades, how did that get started? How did you guys do that? Well, when I was 18, I met Frank Hannon, who was 14 at the time. And from the time we met, we just connected on so many levels. And that was in 1981. And we've been together ever since. So it was just me and him shared the same vision of wanting to be quote unquote rock stars or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, which we thought was real glamorous and all these things. And, and while other, our other friends were out stealing cars and getting into trouble with the law and stuff, we were in Frank's garage learning how to play and, and write songs. And that's how that started. In addition to Paul McCartney, because certainly when you're working your own band and your, your sound, Tesla's sound, isn't Beatle-ish, where did you draw on inspiration for your music? I was really into the Beatles and, and Wings as a kid. But when I actually started playing with all the guys I started first playing with and stuff, you know, the, we were listening to a lot of hard rock. So you had ACDC and UFO and... Def Leppard and Aerosmith and Cheap Trick and Queen and Led Zeppelin. So I think a lot of influences on that side of my bass playing came from from like Cliff Williams being a real fundamental kind of bass player and Tom Peterson and Cheap Trick, mm -hmm. you know, just laying it down and really because I'm not a, a player like say Getty or or flee or somebody I, I approach the bass a little bit differently but then the melodic side and what i actually do do a little bit more moving around and stuff comes from mccartney yeah. but guys like cliff williams and, and tom peterson i thought and still think to this day really just laid it down you know and rick savage from from def leppard mm -hmm. same thing so it came from those guys nice nice and you are also the owner of J Street Records. J Street Entertainment, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a 
company that has recording studio, record label, management company, all it, it's all encompassed and all that. Yeah. And how did that come about? Is it a, a bit of a diversified portfolio there? Just from doing it for so many years and being around other producers and engineers and managers and just kind of taking the good and the bad and, and kind of looking at it from a viewpoint of more like, you know, being an artist. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I work with a, an artist or a band, I come from it from not your typical manager or typical producer or typical engineer or typical mixer because I do it all and, and I play bass and I write songs. So none of my managers played bass and wrote songs, played guitar and wrote songs, nor my producers, you know, except for Terry Thomas, he was a musician. Mm. The guy that did Bust a Nut and Forevermore, he was a musician. And of course, Phil Collin. But the first two guys, Thompson and Barbiero, they come from it from more of a, a New York scene, a mixer and a, and a DJ thing. So. And I love those guys. They're they're great. I mean, what they did with us was unbelievable. But I, I just come from it from a whole different point of view. And so I wanted to kind of make a company that I could go to a young artist and say, "Look, I've I've done this for forty years, mm -hmm. okay? And, and you know, I, I we I've seen a lot of fuck ups, and I <laughs> fucked up a lot. And I don't want you to fuck up. So, you know, listen from my mistakes." And, and try to follow the path I'm going to try to show to you because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a better path. Trust me, I know. I fucked up a lot <laughs> of different things. And that's how I learned. And I'm trying to save young artists the agony of learning the hard way. Yeah. Well, there's countless stories of people that have blundered into learning the hard way. So I'm sure if anybody and everybody had at least a mentor or somebody that could turn to and go, hey, is this a good idea? Yeah. I, I try to be objective and, and you know, with the, the people I manage and, and say, look, you know, trust me, this is not the way. Some of them get it, mm -hmm. some don't. But don't, I don't work with too long. <laughs> I hear you. You know, they, they're doing okay. So, there we go. It's hard. It's a hard business. It's so much harder today to crack into the music industry than it was when I'm 60. I've been doing this almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. So the whole business has just changed radically. So I'm just trying to take, you know, going through all those changes and saying to the kid in 2023, listen, you know, this is what you gotta do. And the main key to all of it is you gotta write great songs. Absolutely. Songs will always prevail. Songs over playing the being the greatest bass player, being the greatest singer. I mean, if you have great songs and drive, I think you can succeed. You know, because there are lots of people out there who had great songs and weren't great singers or performers, but the song always won. Mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion. Gotcha. So there's that. There's the whole matter of opinion. But like I tell somebody, if you're going to hire somebody to fly, you got a brand new 747. Are you going to hire somebody that flew a Cessna? Or somebody that flown in a 747 for a lot of years. So, you know, obviously I've, I've been flying these planes metaphorically for a long time. Well, and the business has changed so much. Back in the day, labels were controlling so much of what we were hearing. Radio 
was a big factor. Nowadays, with the internet, you know, you're right. If somebody can come up with a good song, if they can record it and get it out there, it goes viral. It could... It's still the key. You got to get it out there. It's got to be driven by something. Yeah. People, you know, and I tell these people, you know, people tell me, oh, radio's dead. No, radio's not dead. Radio's still the biggest mover. If you got a song on traditional rock radio all across the country and you're in, you know, the top 10 mm -hmm. of the radio playlist, people are going to know who you are. Yeah. Right. Then they'll go to the internet and get, you'll get the Spotify and all that stuff. You know, it's just like, you, there's so many bands every week putting out songs on Spotify. You never hear about them or know about them because they're just not presented in front of you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great music. So there's so many little things that contribute to to making it happen, to being a big thing. You know, and, and trust me, there's no golden rule or anything. I'm just going off of, you know, the hard knocks that we had and, and the success we had as well. And saying, well, this worked for us and it's yeah. still working today you know we're still selling tons of tickets and tons of t-shirts and we've been a band for 38 years so the one key to what I think is Tesla's we had really good songs always you know that was the one thing that was always pounded into our heads by our managers and producers and our A&R people and that's the one they all pound into young artists' sets as well nice you know? Well, if I do the TikTok video, you know, I can do this. Yeah, 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 but if the song is shit, it's still shit. <laughs> because, you know, TikTok's here now, but where's that going to be in five years? I mean, we've seen so much stuff come and go from MySpace. Just look at MySpace in the beginning. Now you have Facebook, and now you have TikTok, and, you know, but radio's still there. Yeah. You see? You know, it's still there, and when people get in their cars and they turn on the radio, it whether they're going to work or it's at lunch or they're coming home from work, that to me still drives it. So the key with all that is you got to have a really good song that's catchy. Nice. You know, or you got to be something, you know, listen, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, excuse the expression. But, you know, that way still works. Interesting. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk, as you mentioned, Paul McCartney, you also play, to get your sound, you play on Hoffner. I play Hoffners and Thunderbirds. Nice. So the Hoffners, I play on the kind of more softer melodic stuff, or, mm -hmm. you know, like the love song and the what you give and the way it is and signs and that kind of stuff. Two different approaches to the bass. Gotcha. Like, you don't play the Hoffner the same way you play a Gibson Thunderbird. You don't, you don't attack the strings the same, nothing. The Hoffner's got flat wounds. The Thunderbird's got round wounds. You know, both of the pick. I'm a pick player. Okay. Nine percent of the time. And what other elements of your gear to get your sound are you using? Are you using a lot of pedals or? No, no, no. In the studio, I use a U5 Avalon U5 Direct Box. Okay. And then you know I'll reamp that with whatever amp I fits the song at the particular. You know, instead of just recall, oh, okay, well, I only use an SVT or I only use a B15. What? No, it just, I just use the DI first. Then as the song gets built and stuff, then I'll use whatever amp seems to fit the song in the direction it's going. But in the studio, I use U5, and live, I use Ampeg SVT classics. Nice. And U5s, both for live. 
Very cool. One way, lives a different approach. And do you have a preference in string brand? I use Jim Dunlop strings. Nice. And Jim Dunlop picks. Yeah, I've used the picks since day one. Because well, I like the Cortex 73 milliliters. They don't, like if your hands, like the, I, when I first was a kid, I used to use Fender mediums. But they're real slick and they fall out of your hands, especially if you sweat. Yeah. And I sweat. So the Dunlops were always good to grip. So, you know, I've used them Dunlops since 1986, 85. Very cool. Well, the, the sound you get with a pick also is a more staccato kind of attacking sharp note kind of thing, which is... Yeah. 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 And, you know, if I want that kind of warmer thing, like I said, I'll go to a Hoffman. Because yeah. the Hoffman's got an incredible amount of bottom end. It's got more bottom end than my Thunderbirds, which you wouldn't think it would, but it does. The Hoffner bass is, a, is an incredible instrument. It's like, but, you know, you're not going to play Edison's Medicine. <laughs> you know, it's not, you're not going to get that grind. You're going to get this, I mean, you know, you just listen to McCartney. I have several basses in my studio, but those are the two basses I use live. In the studio, I, I record a lot with my Hoffner, and I have a Warwick thumb bass, a four string and a five string that mm -hmm. I got in like in 1995. And I've had those forever. So those are always on the album. There might be the odd track where I'll play a, a jazz bass or Rickenbacker or a Kramer eight string I got, you know, that I've had for years. I, I have tons of them, but mainly the, the, the Hoffner and the, and the, the Warwick for recording and then live is the Hoffner and the the first two Chester records were recorded on Thunderbirds, 1976, you know, Thunderbirds. And those were stock. Wow. Now all my Thunderbirds have EMG pickups in them, the kind of, you know, humbucker bass pickups. Mm -hmm. And the Hoffners are just stock. The German ones, not the Chinese ones. <laughs> the ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. it... As we look ahead, what's in the works for the future? What, what's in the plans? You know, Tesla's entering probably, I don't know, the last part of our career. I mean, I'm 60. Jeff's going to be 65 in October. Mm -hmm. And people say to me, you know, how long do you think you're going to keep going? And I say, as long as Jeff can keep singing to the level he sings at. Because I don't want to keep, I don't want to be one of those bands out there that people, all oh, the singer sounds like shit. And so I don't know how much is left, but I also manage Tesla. So when we book these tours and stuff, we do it very strategically. And it's to get the most mileage out of Jeff that we can. So instead of, you know, running down the hill and taking on all the cows, I mean, one of the one cow. We walk down the hill and we take care of them all. Yeah, and and that's kind of the, the theory with Teslas. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make all the laps around the track. We might not go as fast as we used to, but we're still gonna do it. Nice. And, uh, you know, it's working. And Jeff sounds amazing still to this day. That's really the key. You know, I don't want to be one of those bands that has another singer. And plus, I think with Tesla, Jeff's vocal is so so much identifiable part. Indeed. Right? They'd say, oh, it's my bass. It's not my bass. No one gives a fuck about, you know, if I'm playing bass. I, I'd probably Frank's guitar, you know, and Jeff. And, you know, but again, what makes Tesla that great man is those songs mm -hmm. that 
we've wrote and put together for 40 years. And that's what people come to see still to this day. They want to hear those songs. And, you know, as far as new material, we still do a few tracks a year. I mean, we made a record, the last record we made was Shock, which I think was in, what, 18 or 19? I don't know when it was. It was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Yeah, and that was with Phil Collin producing. So I think now we're doing the odd, you know, couple of tracks a year and just, you know, not putting a bunch of pressure on us. It takes a lot out of us. Yeah. Make it out. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And really, I'd rather spend that effort and time playing concerts for people because we don't know how long we're going to be able to do that. I mean, when we're old and we can't play concerts, we can go in the studio and still make music if we decide to. Sure. But for us, it's, it's taking it to the stage. It's always been the stage because people always say, you're better live than your albums. Because I don't think anyone's ever really quite captured us, what we do live. I mean, it's funny because you think about our biggest album was an acoustic live album, mm -hmm. which sounded not very good. It's not a great sonically sounding record, but it had that spirit and it, catched, it caught the vibe of what it is Tesla does. Tesla's a real honest rock and roll band. Gotcha. So that's with Tesla. Now, I have two other bands that I have a band called Soul Motor, which is kind of a darker, heavier band mm -hmm. that when Tesla broke up in 95 for five years, I started this band Soul Motor. So there's a new Soul Motor record coming out. And then also I have this young kid in England named Alex that I started a band called Violet Violet, like the color violet, three. Okay. And that's more of a melodic pop band. Okay. And I'm like on that thing, and if you listen to all three of them, all three separate bands, you'd say, well, you play bass different in each band. Well, you, it's because, you know, it's very much designed for what the sound of that band is. Mm -hmm. Right? Like with Tesla, you know, we all get in a room and we play and we start with pretty much a music track first, whether I write it or Frank writes it or Tommy wrote it or Dave, you know, the guitar player's been this the last 14 years. And then Jeff writes lyrics to that. So that's a different kind of way of playing bass. And once that's kind of laid down, you gotta kind of stick to it, right? Now something like Soul Motor, it starts with the bass. Like that's me and a guy named Darren Wood. And and that's just me with loops or a drum loop or something and a bass, you know, and a bass line that's predominant. And then he writes to that. Now with Alex and Violet Bree, Alex come to me with an acoustic guitar and have a song and I'll write it with them. And then when I lay the bass down to that, it's just an acoustic and a vocal. So I'm playing with a vocal melody pretty much already locked. So it's three different ways of approaching how I play the bass for those three things. So there's a lot going on with me. It's like, what's next? And there's the production and the mixing and the management. I mean, oh, you know, I don't know how to retire. I won't retire or, or even sit still. I mean, I'm calling you now, or you call me, and I'm in Tuscany right now. And I try to come here two weeks, you know, every six months to, to recharge. Absolutely. So I'm just off like four works of four months of 
solid work with Tesla and all these other things. So I'm kind of burnt. Yeah. I'm recharging. But it's hard for me not to do nothing. Like I've been here 24 hours and I'm already like, oh, I wish I had my Pro Tools right here. <laughs> you know, and really, I just got to kind of force myself to sit out, enjoy the sunshine and take in nature's beauty. Indeed. Hopefully you'll have some nice recharging under the lovely Tuscan sun. Oh, I, I will, trust me. I, I've, I've been coming here for 20 years and it works like a champ. Excellent. And I'll go back, I'll go back you know, at the end of this month and I'll be all refreshed, ready to tackle the, you know, the second Vegas residency we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we got a couple more dates up the Oregon coast and I think we got one in Georgia and then we're done till January. You know, next year... Tesla's got, we did these reel-to-reel records in 2006, which were cover records that were, you know, analog on on tape and stuff. So we never put those out on vinyl. So that's coming out next year on vinyl. It was only on CD and digital. It was never vinyl. And then I think we're going to go in the studio in February and record a couple new Tesla songs and maybe a couple covers and play. I mean, that's, you know, on the Tesla front, that's, that's what we do, you know, but I, I've got no like major record to say, oh, we got a new album coming out. No, I mean, we've made so many of them. You know, it's hard. It's, it's hard today, especially for a band like Tesla. That's, I don't know what you want to call us, an 80s band or whatever you want to call us, you know, whatever they call us. I don't care as long as they don't call us bastards. <laughs> they call us hair band. They call us 80s band. Yeah. You know, radio's not that app to play us anymore, nor play Aerosmith, nor play Def Leppard, or anyone from that time period, right? They're playing new things like Mammoth, you know, which is great. I love uh, Wolfgang's stuff. I think he's great, you know. Uh, so, and I get that. Yeah. So I look, you know, as far as like that creative thing in my younger, the younger fix, it's like working with younger artists trying to help them get to a place where I got to, right? Mm-hmm. And that takes care of that, because I'm always writing songs and producing and mixing and stuff. And quite honestly, I don't think of myself as a, as a great bass player. I tell people, there are bass players and there are people who play the bass. Mm-hmm. Well, I play the bass. Mm-hmm. I'm not a bass player, right? <laughs> You know, I'm not that precious about it. On the eighth day, God created Paul McCartney. <laughs> We're talking about bass players. He goes, McCartney, yeah. James Jackson, and then I don't care. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, those two guys for me, I mean, there's I mean, there's loads of amazing bass players, you know. I'll never be compared to Flea or Getty Lee or Billy Sheehan or, yeah. or those kind of... Then there are guys, like I said, like Cliff Williams, that just steady as a rock, you know what I mean? So... I'm, I'm just not that precious about my bass, my bass playing. I mean, I can play. Yeah, obviously. I, I mean, I've been doing it 40 years. I, and I, <laughs> I think I've actually gotten a lot better in the last 10. Wow. For whatever reason, just maybe like, you know. And I tell people, too, that Frank Hannon really taught me how to play the bass. Because Frank was his, he was so good at such an early age. Mm-hmm. That I had to, like, he was up here, I was up here. I had to rise up to be able to play with him, you see. And he was patient, and he taught me. And, you know, we're like this. Yeah. We might argue, like, you know, brothers, and 
We don't, we rarely, to be quite honest, we rarely ever argue. But we might butt heads or have disagreements or whatever. But I really got to give him the credit because I wouldn't be the musician I am if it wasn't for him. Now he'll tell you, yeah, that's true. But Brian is the guy that always had to drive, right? Like, what's my role in Tesla? I drive. I'm like, come on, guys, let's do this. We can do this. You know, I'm thinking from up here. Yeah. You know, we're, maybe they're down here, and you know, and <laughs> Frank's such this amazing musician, and just got this God-given voice. Yeah. And that's what they need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm up here thinking about tours and things that you can do and all this stuff and keeping us together and not fighting and splintering off. I mean, you know, there's still three of the original guys after 40 years and Troy just retired last year and Tommy's doing, doing well. I'm friends with him again and he's doing good for himself. So I'm happy to see that. Good. And you know, we have Dave since 2006. So it's tough to keep a band together. We've been together with, each other longer than we have wives, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tell you, you know, it's, it's just a deal we made, you know, to stick it out, stick stick out all the bullshit, <laughs> the good times, the bad times, and, and that's the thing that I'm really most proud of with Tessa is we survived all that shit. Absolutely. You know, we survived breaking up. We survived one guy, ha- you know, having major problems and, and had had to leave. And, you know, we survived being, you know, the darlings of AOR radio and not. And we survived grunge and not. <laughs> you know, we're still sitting here. Yeah. Me, Frank, and Jeff been together since 1983, so it's 40 years. Yeah. And we're still, you know, we still look at each other. And when we get on the stage, all the bullshit, all the shit's just gone. That hour and a half, it's just like no one can really get to us. Then the rest of the day we're bored and we go crazy and drive each other nuts. <laughs> Isn't that the way it works? So I I guess the key thing, if people want to stay on top of what you're doing, they should go to teslatheband.com. Yeah, or the Facebook. All social right, media. Or Instagram, you know. I mean, we got a pretty good social media presence now that we do. You know, it, it's all there. I mean, you know, we're still real active. This year, I think we played, we'll play 65 shows. Wow. So, you know, a couple years ago, we were doing 110 shows a year. And, you know, we're not, we're not kids anymore. I hear you. <laughs> Stay pretty busy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Brian, we appreciate you taking time from your relaxing Tuscan villa to share your story with us and this information. Folks, you've seen him here, Brian Wheat on Bass Musician Magazine. Come and see us in Vegas. That's coming up September, I think, what's the 29th through October 7th. Because that's going to be fun. Because we don't do the exact same set every night. We change it up a lot. Because we've got a pretty deep catalog. Absolutely. So you always hear those hits that you know you think you're going to hear. You, got, you ain't going to get away without playing Little Susie or Signs or What You Give or Love Song or Modern Day Cowboy or Heaven's Trail. But then there's all these other songs that come in and out of the sets. So, you know, come to Vegas. It's, it's been real fun. You know, I didn't think I was going to like it at first. I didn't think, oh, this is going to be kind of weird. But, you know, it, it's real fun. So, nice. get a chance. Come out. There you go. Thanks, Brian. 